It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 175. Well, I'm sick and tired of hearing things from uptight, short-sighted, narrow-minded hypocrites. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. I've had enough of reading things by neurotic, psychotic, big-headed politics. All I want is the truth. Just All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. Quantum is a podcast that we try and look at world news and views from a Christian perspective. Now, uh, one of the things that I hadn't expected with this, and we have been doing this for a, a number of years, is that it does become a source of news for people. And here's the paradox in our culture. There are numerous news sources, and yet somehow so much of it seems less reliable. How do we know what is true? Vested interest, you know, seem to take over so many things. For example, people will say, well, you have to trust the science. But the trouble is, the science becomes politicized. So people record or cite what they what they want, things that confirm what they already think. And I search far and wide for news sources and people I can trust who will report things that perhaps even go against their own philosophy. And that's what we're trying to do here. So let me say this. I don't have a vested interest in being right. I mean, it's nice to be right, but I often learn by getting things wrong. And in fact, because I believe the Bible, I know my limitations. I, I know my own sinfulness. I know the limits of my understanding, at least to some degree. And I'm not vested in any of my political opinions. They, they're not my identity. My identity as a Christian is in Christ. And I think that, I hope, gives me a relationship to truth, which, uh, you know, in a way, it allows me to be wrong. So I want to give you a, a, an example of this. So I was discussing with some people the efficacy of mask wearing, which, like so many subjects, has just become yet another political divide that people choose according to their political tribe. Very little to do with evidence. So again, I have no vested interest in it, uh, except I hate wearing a mask, but that's a personal taste thing. I, 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 I've looked at numerous studies and different things. So people sent me this from The Guardian. Mask wearing cuts COVID incidents by 53%, says Global Study. Results from more than 30 cells from around the world were analysed in detail. The new scientists said COVID-19 news, mask wearing cuts infections by 53%. Uh, it said that came from data from 72 studies. The Times reported that masks were more effective than distancing and hand washing. And Bloomberg reported masks cut COVID risk in half. Now, these are g good sources in some sense. You think these are re normally reliable sources. Normally, I would just accept that and say, okay, th that's very interesting. Um, that's more than I had anticipated, but these are th they're reporting the experts. 
Now, and then I read this article from Professor Simon Wood from the University of Edinburgh, and it just, it just so infuriated me. So he said, look, he examined this and he said, it's a report of a BMJ paper, which is a meta-analysis, an attempt to combine the evidence contained in several scientific studies. Now, he said, there were 72 studies that might potentially have provided evidence on the effectiveness of masks, social distancing and handwashing. But of these, just six, not eight, not 30 or 72, were sufficiently relevant and of sufficient quality that they could provide any useful information on mass efficacy. So now we've got six studies. And of those six, four were assessed to have a moderate risk of bias and two to have a serious critical risk. And only one met the criteria. A Danish study for a a rigorous scientific analysis and it was inconclusive. So how do you get that? How do the Guardian and the Times and Bloomberg and New Scientist headline this and report this as saying mass cut COVID in half? Because they want to. Because they want it to be true. And so they just say it. And that's just a dreadful way to behave. And that's why we, we're so struggling to trust journalists. And I would be grateful, you know, just for me, I just want to find out things that are actually true. As, as John Lennon said, just give me some truth. I'm sick and tired of short-minded, short-sighted, narrow-minded hypocrites. Just give me the truth. Speaking of which, there are there are good journalists out there one of whom is Sherry Markson. Listen to this. Tonight, join me as I tell you what I've discovered about where the virus came from and when it first appeared. Nobody thought a thing like this was possible. A pandemic that affected every single person on the planet. Why didn't anyone stop this? For weeks and weeks, the Chinese government kept us silent. This is the result of taking a natural virus and mucking around with it. Hey, presto, the perfect human pathogen. That actually would make a good bioweapon. It escaped from the lab. They had had an accident. The first cluster worked into Wuhan Institute of Virology. They silenced journalists and disappeared some of them. It won't stop there. Now, she's written a book, which I'm going to write a a review of, which for me is just a shattering book. What really happened in Wuhan? Now, it is superb journalism. It is documented. It is interviews. It is original research. It is tenacious. It is brave. Um, You know, everything that people don't agree with, they just dismiss as conspiracy theorist. And, And that's the problem in our culture. But I challenge you to read this book or at least watch the documentary. There was a uh, I put a link to a 30 minute documentary that came from Sky News. Um, I the bravery of the people who reported on Wuhan. Bottom line is just simply this. It is almost certain that COVID-19 is a human manufactured virus that it took a probably something from bats and they developed in in the Wuhan COVID uh, laboratory, which is run by the Chinese military. They weaponized it. I'm not suggesting and Sherry Markson is not suggesting that it was deliberately released, but somehow it got out probably because of shoddy safety procedures and a virus which is designed to mutate in order to be able to infect human beings better. 
went loose on the world and millions of people have died. Now, it astounds me that this is not the major story. And you know, one of the reasons it's not the major story was because Donald Trump initially didn't handle this well, but then he began to listen to his advisors who were telling him this. And because he said it, well, guess what? Journalists and politicians didn't want to be associated with Trump, and so they've kept quiet about it. That, that, that's what I mean. Okay, uh, we're on COVID, so let's just come on to Omicron. I think if that's how you pronounce it. This from Australian News. So, uh, c coming out of South Africa, the doctors are saying it's not that bad. Can we be sure of that? Well, it's encouraging preliminary news. I mean, the, the doctor who found this discovered it because she noted a more mild type of COVID-19. I mean, that, that's telling in itself, but obviously not enough information for us to base, uh, base all our decisions on. But it's, I, th I think it's positive early news, but there's a lot more that we need to know about the variant. We also had um, our chief medical officer saying it, it would be his number one Christmas present um, if it could come here uh, and spread around a bit and give us herd immunity. What do you think of those comments? Well, I, I think if it's more transmissible than Delta, but milder, it doesn't matter whether we get a Christmas present or not. That's exactly what it's going to do. And I, I agree with, with Paul Kelly. Now, that was uh, Dr. Think, Nick Coatesworth, right? who's a deputy government medical officer, I think, an, an epidemiologist. And it's a very interesting thing. You know, when Omicron comes and people go, panic, 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 we've got to panic. You know, it's it's more transmissible and... You know, new restrictions in the new UK, new travel restrictions, new restrictions in Australia, Nicola Sturgeon, panic, 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 panic. And then I come up, you come across this news. Paul Kelly, the former chief medical officer, saying, you know, this could be the Christmas present we've all been looking for if we want this virus to come here. Because if this one comes and it's milder, and as yet, to be fair, we don't know the details of that, but it does appear to be so. If it's more transmissible, it will wipe out the Delta variant, which is much more dangerous. Well, we shall see. Bottom line is, we're not in charge of this. By the way, um, you, you know how everything's the Greek alphabet. Let, let me teach you the Greek alphabet with a bit of music, a bit of techno. It's interesting that the Greeks have been used. A good friend of mine, George, is a lawyer and he works with me with City Legal here in Sydney. And uh, we, I was teasing him about everything coming from the Greeks. I was saying to him, look, uh, the Scots and the Greeks always say everything good comes from us. But well, it looks like the coronavirus alphabet is from the Greeks, except for two letters, new and C. New because it sounds like new. And Z because ni, uh, because it's a common surname, says the WHO. Yeah, Xi Jinping, it's the China virus. To have a variant called Z would be too much. Okay, let's do some world news. 
Um, this isn't good news, by the way, uh, as well. Studies predict in around 30 years, antibiotic resistance will kill more people worldwide than cancer. The WHO, uh, I don't think a reliable source, but they are estimating that by 2050, there could be 10 million deaths per year due to antibiotic resistance. Antimicrobial resistance, AMR, superbugs, occurs when bacteria, viruses, fungi and parasites gradually change and stop responding to medicines, including antibiotics, antivirals and antifungals. That makes the infections harder to treat. Now, as someone, I'm sure many of you, if not most of you listening to this, who have benefited from antibiotics, this is a cause of considerable concern. And the major reason for it is the misuse and overuse of antibiotics in humans, animals and plants. We used to put it into animals to, to help them, I don't think, protect them from illness. Um, I would go to the doctor and I'd say, give me an antibiotic, but for a virus, that's no use. You know, and how, how often would the doctors do that? So we need to be careful of that. Uh, let me just run through some items for news that we've we've missed out over the past few weeks, and I think it's important to know. A former Iranian nuclear boss has basically admitted that the country's atomic program was geared towards creating a bomb. Uh, Feridun Abbasi Davani, who's a former head of the Iranian Atomic Energy Organization, said that this was the case. That is considerably concerning, although not a major surprise. You know, we were talking about reporting. I was listening to the ABC here in Australia, and they used the phrase alleged human atrocities in China. Now, I've listened to the ABC, and sometimes they say alleged, and sometimes they don't. They don't say it about Saudi Arabia. Uh, they don't say things about Donald Trump and so on. But whenever China is mentioned, it is alleged. Really? Do the ABC not accept that what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims and other minorities in Xinjiang province is due to the CCP? The Guardian has leaked documents, uh, or got leaked documents, which show that it was the highest level of the Communist Party leadership who called for Uyghur re-education and relocation in order to enable the Han population to take over in Xinjiang. That's cultural genocide, if not actual genocide. And then this from China. Listen to this. Oh, look at him sleeping. He's like a little angel that killed 50 million people. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's The Simpsons. It's from one of their episodes uh, that called Gugu Gaipan, which ridiculed the Chinese censorship over Tiananmen Square. And that little clip there was Homer Simpson visiting the tomb of Chairman Mao. Doesn't he look sweet with his 50 million deaths? It's just, a, it's actually a really funny, like most of the Simpson episodes, really funny, quite biting and incisive and at times prophetic. Of course, it's been banned in Hong Kong. Well, no, Disney have said they are not going to let it be played in Hong Kong. There you go, there's the big American corporations bravely fighting for social justice, except in China. Continuing with China, Indonesia says it will never set surrender an inch of its territory after 
The Chinese have been doing illegal seabed mapping in its resorts rich Natuna waters. Again, watch this one very, very carefully in the future. And then let's go to this country. Yep, that, of course, is the national anthem of Germany, Deutschland, Deutschland, über alles. Well, Olaf Schulz has going, is going to be the next Chancellor of Germany. Um, it's not good. It's not good. He's saying he's going to dare more progress, I think is his slogan. They're going to loosen immigration rules, legalise the sale of recreational cannabis, allow people to change gender without seeking medical approval... Permit foreign residents to take German citizenship without having to give up their other passports. Borrow unprecedented sums to drive the decarbonization and modernization of industry. End the coal industry um, in 2030 rather than 2038. And generate 80% of the electricity from renewable sources through expansion of wind farms and solar panels. Sale of new petrol and diesel vehicles will be banned early next decade. Online adverts on abortion will be allowed and there'll be an attempt to reduce the voting age from 18 to 16. I say it's not looking good for many reasons, not least they're going to be dependent, I think, on German gas and the the, the North pipeline, gas pipeline. Uh, sorry, on Russian gas, not on German gas. They're going to get rid of German gas, aren't they? And in Germany as well, this is just crazy. In Germany... The German Euthanasia Association has issued a new directive declaring that it will only allow help those who've been vaccinated or recovered from the disease. It talks about close encounters in closed rooms, which is a disgusting euphemism for assisted suicide. You've got to be vaccinated or recovered to commit suicide. Imagine that. If you've not been vaccinated, you don't get to take your own life. And then we go to France, and this is happening in France. Well, he's been creating waves here in France, even before officially throwing his hat into the ring. Far-right media pundit Eric Zemmour has now done just that, announcing his candidacy for next April's presidential election. The man, sometimes dubbed the French Trump, shot up in opinion polls in September and October, but his popularity appears to have plateaued since. We can hear from him now. It is not time to reform France, but to save it, which is why I have decided to run for president. I have therefore decided to ask for your vote to become your president of the Republic. So that our children and our grandchildren do not know barbarism, so that our daughters are not veiled and our sons are not subjugated, so that we can pass on to them a France as we have known it and received it from our ancestors. Join me, stand up. We the French have always triumphed over everything. Long live the Republic and long live France. That is Eric Zemmour, uh, called far right, I think... There are aspects that are far right, but he's certainly populist. I, I think everyone gets called far right who 
progressives don't agree with. I'm, I'm not sure about this guy at all. Um, he's certainly very, very anti-Islamic. I've read some things he said that seem good and other things I would be appalled at. We'll see what happens. Um, will he take over from Le Pen as the challenger on the right? I don't know. All right, let's come to Australia and an excuse to play this. Oh, it's all right, it's a mate of mine, Neville Bell. Sue Charlton. Good day, Sue. And what are you doing wandering around out here in the scrub, Nev? I'm on my way to Crabbery over at the Gabba. It's bloody drag. But still, my dad get angry if I don't show up. See, Nev's a real city boy, but his dad's a tribal elder. Oh, no, you can't take my photograph. Oh, I'm sorry. You believe it'll take your spirit away? No, you got a lens cap on. <laughs> Mick, I better get going. Nice to meet you, Sue. Bye, Nev. I'll catch up, you Nev. That is from Crocodile Dundee. Uh, one, uh, a kind of bizarre film, but actually very, very, for me, very enjoyable. And David Dalith Nigu uh, Gulpalil, he's died age 68. He was an indigenous actor here. Um... Just a fascinating character, really interesting story. Uh, appeared in films like that I've seen, like Walkabout, Storm Bay, Crocodile Dundee, of course. There was a documentary about him. I think there are sad, well, there are very definitely sad things in his life. Uh, sadly, when he became famous, he was introduced to drink and drugs, and that did him enormous harm. He was jailed for domestic assault. Um, which, again, is a phenomenal problem in the indigenous community. There's so much about the indigenous community that I'm trying to learn. There's one book I'd highly recommend, One Blood by John Harris, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'm, you know, trying to find out more about indigenous people here. I've met with some, including pastors. And, uh, you know, the history of how they've been treated is appalling. But it's not as black and white as people like to make out. So, for example, comes this story uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald, I believe it was. Oh, no, it was in the Australian. Um, two land councils repre representing more than 40,000 ad Aboriginal people have lodged a formal complaint with the Independent Commission Against Corruption against the University of Sydney, who've had a significant number of staff and students identify as Indigenous. Um the spokesperson, uh, Brendan Moyle, says that local Aboriginal people have tried talking to them and they've not listened. Uh, I go to Redfern Station, which is the, the, the area where there are most Indigenous people in the centre of Sydney. You know, I often see folks there and, and that's right beside the university. And these local people have spoken to the university because resources, jobs, scholarships for Indigenous people are funded by the public. They're designed to help Aboriginal people lift themselves out of disadvantage. But the University of Sydney will just let you self-identify. So I could identify as Indigenous. Just incredible. Incredible. And rightly the Aboriginal leaders are complaining about this. So they should. Okay, let's come on to um, the Church of England. 
Let me just briefly mention something from the Cranmer blog that four teenagers, Temizan, Kezia, Honey and Sophia, all B-A-M-E, as it's euphemistically or maybe not euphemistically known, uh, girls by the way, no boys allowed, have helped appoint the new Bishop of Williston. Uh, they have apparently judged sermons, interviewed and discerned the spiritual leadership of those who applied, and the best person is Lusa Nisenge Nigoi, the current BAME mission and ministry enabler in the Diocese of uh, Leicester. Uh, unbelievable. And then before we go, let's hear something of this. Isn't it rich? Are we a pair? Me here at last on the ground You in midair Send in the clouds Isn't it Send in the Clown, Stephen Hon Sondheim, the Broadway composer, died aged 91. I just think that's such an appropriate thing. Um, again, somebody else sent me this. I thought that 5,000 diversity officers in the NHS cost nearly 500 million a year. That's the money the prescription charges raise. Yep, we're governed by clowns. But it's not all clowns. Here is... Uh, I think it's a 1943 recording of Mozart's 23rd Piano Concerto. Uh, and it's by an amazing woman called Maria Udini, Udina. And she was a deeply devout Christian. Her faith cost her a lot. She converted from Judaism to the Orthodox faith at 20. She was a close friend of Shostakovich. Uh, she lived an amazing life, uh, an ascetic life, often helping the poor. But the most notable story is how she defied Stalin and survived. Because she played this piano concerto, Mozart's piano, Stalin heard it, uh, loved it, wanted it, a recording of it. But there wasn't a recording of it. So they, they made her do one. Initially, she defied that. But uh, after he heard that, he after he heard the recording, he sent her an envelope with 20,000 rubles. And she wrote to him, thanking him, I will pray for you day and night and ask the Lord to forgive your great sins before the people and the country. The Lord is merciful and he will forgive you. I gave the money to the church I attend. I just, I love that Christian testimony. That is the kind of heroism that we need. And I'm, I'm so tired of church leaders who just keep bending over backwards to go with the culture and there was this humble brilliant woman standing up to Stalin
All right, we're going to leave you with this song. Um, this is my old church worship band playing Savior of the World. Uh, that's what we need. It's not going to be the vaccines that save the world. Good that they are. It's not going to be the politicians. It's Jesus who brings light into the darkness. I'm going to love you and leave you. If you want to support the this Quantum podcast, go to the Podbean fundraiser. Uh, please keep sending me comments, news and views. And I'll see you next week. God so loved that he gave his son. God bless you. Say hey.